Aloha, it is time for Coffee with Coach, our 60th edition, Michael. 6-0 today as training camps are about to open around the National Football League. And there is a lot of excitement, a lot of anticipation, and some clarity in a few places. Yes, sir. I, well, hi, Jeff. Hi, everybody watching as well. Hello, Tribe. I'm, I'm buzzing, man. Episode 60, but we're finally at the week of training camp. It's, it seems like you were sitting on the sofa in London for Sky Sports five minutes <laughs> ago, but we're we're finally here. It's it's a never-ending cycle, and uh, I'm buzzing, and it's it really hits home on a Monday and Tuesday when you're seeing stories like Watson Rogers just come out of the woods and finally get done. And we're just getting to that business point now. And hopefully, you know, injuries stay clear and we get to that Hall of Fame game, Jeff. I think it's next Friday or next Sunday night. So I'm very excited. Yeah, it is time to be excited. We're going to talk to a young receiver in the, with the Chiefs, a third-year receiver, Garrett Dieter, who uh, this is a big year for him as uh, – He's been on and off the roster for on the practice roster for two years. This is a, a, a big, big training camp for him and a big training camp for uh, tons of players around the National Football League. Rookies have been in and, you know, let's get right to the big news of the day. I, I, I'm going to tell you something. The Aaron Rodgers thing is just a phenomenal tale. And then, it, you know, last, I guess it was last week, Devontae Adams tweets out, the last dance and then Rogers tweets out that same tweet and everybody started speculating about what was going on I really thought he would be late into camp and he still may be late into camp because they're trying to work out some sort of deal Mike that sounds like a really interesting situation where he'll be able to leave next year if he chooses and able to stay if he chooses so uh Obviously, the Packers were in no position to let him go. And uh, for Green Bay fans, a sigh of relief. And for fans of the Vikings and the Lions and the Bears <laughs> in that NFC North, you know, they just shake their heads, I'm sure. This all started, uh, well, this is going to choose it. This all started on Monday, 11 a.m. Central. There was a shareholders meeting, I think, Jeff, I'm correct. The Packers are like the only publicly owned team. In yes. the NFL, in that sense, shareholders meeting, uh, everybody's talking about Rogers. You can imagine the crowd, but the GM literally came out and said within minutes, you know, it's it's obviously a stressful situation, but we will make it work. And within an hour, Ian Rappaport was tweeting about it. It looks as if uh, there's no tags permissible once a deal expires after the 2022 season. Jeff, we made Colin explained it very well like this for anybody watching this, especially in the UK or Ireland. It's a bit like whenever Cristiano Ronaldo for United said he wanted to leave, they wouldn't let him, and he left a year after. I think he's put the Packers on warning. I think he'll go next year, and it's going to be the summer of Rodgers. Forget about the summer of 69 or the boys of summer. I can't wait. And wait, like Who knows where he's going to go? You've got so many elements. You've got the Steelers with Big Ben. You've got the Broncos that are arguably a quarterback away. Like, like There's just, just so hey, many different storylines. Hey, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Quarterback away. They, quarterback away. Yeah. You're speaking from your Denver fanhood, buddy. I don't think well, it's, it, it's 2 a.m. Jeff. I have to keep going somewhere. Yeah. But I'm going to tell you something. There are a lot of teams, boy, that they'll be lining up for for a piece of that pie. And I, I you know, good for good for Aaron. I think he's run his course in Green Bay. This will be a chance for him to go out uh, successful. I hope and yeah. to walk away from an organization that uh, he's given a lot to, and they've given a lot to him. And and uh, you know, 
it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out, obviously. And I think it's going to create a tremendous amount of drama and intrigue around the league. And so will the Deshaun Watson situation where he showed up in camp, still wants to be <laughs> traded. The Texans want to trade him. But my God, they're, the asking price reportedly three first round draft choices and three starting level players. Now, that is a large, large ransom that the Texans are holding out there for Deshaun Watson, who is arguably one of the best quarterbacks in the National Football League. And now the speculation starts. And this is where it's really interesting to me. You got a young quarterback in Miami in Tua who was drafted to be the future of the franchise. Mm. Had a good but not fantastic first year. And everybody's looking at he's got to take a step, he's got to take a step. And that is one of the teams that is reportedly able to kind of meet the demands that uh, that the Texans are putting out there. And the other team that people are talking about is the Eagles. And they've got a young quarterback in Jalen Hurts who is fresh into town. And, you know, I just really think it's really amazing that, uh, you know, those two places obviously are looking, particularly the, particularly the Eagles, because – the Eagles are in rebuild mode. I think that I think the Dolphins are closer to a Super Bowl window, but that's interesting with those two really talented young quarterbacks maybe, you know, sent down the road, I guess. I think, you know, if if we're looking at three first round picks and two players, it it's intriguing because obviously that is selling the house, but you gotta almost get like a whiteboard, Jeff, like you behind you get the pros, get the cons. I mean, this is a guy that's what 25, 26 years of age. There's no, like, it's very unlikely he's going to be suspended in the short term after all these allegations. It has come out this evening, though, that there are pending criminal investigations in regards to assault, etc. I'm not going to get into that. But if you're a GM, if you're a team, are you looking at this going, you know, this guy could be unbelievable for us? Let's say he comes in for a season, maybe the NFL suspends him for a season. You, you got to look at that long term window. What other quarterbacks are out there of that quality, that age that you can get? Yes, sell the farm. But, I mean, if it was me, if it was my team, I would be selling the farm, selling the lease to the stadium, selling the cars, <laughs> whatever they need. Like, it's it's hard to believe because this is it's almost crept up a bit, Jeff. Like, we were talking about the show on two months ago and that, it suddenly went away and there was almost understanding, oh, he'd not come back to camp. I mean, I was, like, I don't know about you, but I was shocked when he came back to camp. But, uh let, let's see what happens. I, I like. Did you not hear about his coach or somebody said on Sunday, Jeff, on a podcast, he expected Deshaun to be treated away imminently by the end of Sunday. So it hasn't happened yet. But uh, knowing our luck, Jeff, he will be treated by now. So just a disclaimer because it's not live. But uh, yeah, let's see what happens. Well, I, I think it's going to be interesting. Obviously, uh, the Texans feel like they're in control, right? The thing that's so make throw such a such a such a shadow over all of this is is what's going on with his legal situation and what's going on with his you know what's the league going to do are they going to suspend him how long are they going to suspend him is are there going to be criminal charges so there's a lot if you if you give up that much with no guarantee that you're going to even have this guy on the field that is a very risky proposition but again there are only so many Deshaun Watsons in the world and very few. You can count them on your hand. And so obviously uh, 
they're going to demand a huge asking price. I just think that for the Texans organization, for him to be in camp has got to be like an unbelievable distraction. How about Tyrod Taylor? I mean, here it goes again. He thinks he's got a, he thinks he's got a place we can play quarterback, and now a guy who's been through an unbelievable offseason said didn't say says he didn't want to be there. All of a sudden, shows up and says, "I'm here." Uh, you know, it's just it's the drama of the National Football League. The amazing stuff that goes on in training camp. It's not even not Jeff. Like, let's say Watson gets traded this week. I mean, he's coming into training camp. He hasn't been sitting in OTAs. Granted, he's he's young. I'm sure he's got the mind to develop his game quickly in that offense wherever he goes. But that that's a problem short term as well. If he went, for example, to to Denver, uh, I, he won't. But if he went there, he's going to find it very difficult to even embed himself, even in Miami short term. I think if I was Tua, I'd be really annoyed if he went there. I I, I really well, would. I think, anyway, I think that's that's a good point because you think about the, you, you know. I think if if Miami and Philadelphia, who have two young quarterbacks that they feel can be, you know, their future, why would you want to why would you want to create this kind of distraction, yeah. this kind of you know potential problem inside your locker room? You know, because that can be devi divisive. Because I'm sure there are guys in Miami that say, you know, no, two is our guy, and then there are other guys in that locker room who say, oh man, we could get Deshaun down here. You know, so all of those things are, are some of the issues that make keeping a locker room all functioning in the right way and, you know, very, very difficult. Imagine what it's like in Houston. I mean, you talk about the 9,000, whatever they say, the 10,000 pound elephant or the pink elephant in the room or whatever it is. I mean, Deshaun Watson's walking around that place and people have got to be whispering around it. I mean, it's just, it's got to be really, really, really you know, uncomfortable inside that Texans facility. We, we we have to get a Texans player on. There is there is questions and I'm quite sort of, you know, I'm, I'm realizing about the time. Just one thing there we haven't talked about, Jeff. There are rumors saying that Rodgers wants Randall Cobb back in Green Bay. Uh, obviously with Devontae Adams restructuring as well let, let, let's see what happens there uh, before there's actually a lot of questions if if I don't ask your question folks if it's about Rogers I'm not going to ask it because it's happened but I'll try to if it needs to be uh, Jeff before I ask the questions I've got a very important one for you you're a week out from the season in Canada you set to go yeah all good not yet we haven't we haven't had our we, we cut 11 players today which is really a tough thing to do you know he's these kids have been waiting, some of them, for two years to play football and uh, with the COVID situation. And they get their first opportunity and some of them their last opportunity and to be a professional football player. And, you know, after practice this morning, we let 11 of them go before afternoon meetings. And, you know, they stop by your office to say goodbye. And it's really a difficult thing. It's, you know, these guys have dreamed about being pro football players since little boys and, and they're right on the cusp of that dream and, and it's snatched away from them. So that is the tough part about this business, the ugly part about this business. And we're going to have to cut again next week. So we're still in the decision-making process, but one week out from playing, and I'm telling you, it has been a long training camp. It seems like forever. And with all the COVID protocols and wearing masks and daily COVID testing and all the things that you, you know, we talked about with the National Football League, we're all reality for us too. And, you know, you feel like you're on house arrest. You got the only place you mm. can was back home and, and uh, 
can't go to the store, can't go to, you know, can't get a cup of coffee, can't get a beer, can't, you know, anything. So it's, it's a different kind of experience right now. And I have to vouch for Jeff. He's very busy. Go on his Twitter. He's barely tweeted in three weeks. I've barely, it's two o'clock in the morning and we're recording this. Fair play. Before we go on to the questions, uh, Friday the 6th of August, 1.30 a.m., the Winnipeg Blue Bombers against the Hamilton Tiger Cats on BT Sport slash ESPN. Sky Channel 423. Jeff, I might not be watching that live, but I'll try. I'll try. If I watch it live and I tweet you, you'll tweet back. Yeah, <laughs> not from the sideline, I won't. But I'll get you after the game. It's going to be a big game for us because that's a uh, that is the defending Great Cup champion, and they, that's uh, the opening game, Jeff. Yeah, like yeah, and that's the season. Yeah. yeah, just like they do in the National Football League, where they try and get the rematch of the previous Super Bowl early in the year. Uh, oh. we, their place, uh, it, they have the ability to have crowds in, in their province. So it'll be a full house and a veteran team that returns almost everybody from their great cup championship. And we got our work cut out for us. There's no question, but Hey, that's what you're in this business for, baby. I will try and watch it live. 1.30 AM. It's on Sky Channel 43, BT411. No idea, but Virgin, I'll come back to you on that there. Uh, Claire DeBear asks a question before I say the question, Frank Reich, Asymptomatic tested positive for COVID today. Her question is going in regards to the vaccines, Jeff. What team do you think will be the first team to forfeit a game due to COVID? Now, can I just say before you answer, my team is forced to play without a quarterback. For, you know, for I don't say all season, but for but for one game because of COVID. I mean, like, how are they going to draw a line? I think I think this is really interesting because you know they they're they're trying to hard line this thing right, and they're saying. Mm-hmm teams if you don't get your players vaccinated and you have a COVID outbreak then you're gonna have to forfeit games we're not moving games around this year well think about this now think about it in from the bigger picture 65,000 seat stadium Hmm. tickets are not cheap you don't play that game you don't get that revenue and you have to pay back all those ticket costs right so I think that there are a number of reasons why they're making this stance, but I don't know how it's going to work out that you, I mean, if if you have a, if you have COVID go through your team, what are you going to do? The reality of it is like, I don't know if you saw what they did to Rick Dennison, the offensive line coach from the Vikings. I did. The Vikings fired because he wouldn't get vaccinated. Now, Bruce Arians has come out and said that for every unvaccinated player he sees, out their mask or whatever, violating any of the uh, any of the protocols, that he will find them fourteen thousand dollars on the spot, which is the most he can find a player, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, without you know bigger you know issues, right? Having to go to appeals and all that other stuff. So I think it's I think it's you know the league, the teams, and everybody are hard nosed and hard line in this vaccination thing, and. You know, we're still going to see COVID in the locker room. I, I just don't, I'm sure that's the case. But, you know, the, the league is trying to do everything it can to get these players to get vaccinated so we can keep the, the you know, the risk as minimal as possible. It's, it's like the Premier League over here. Like one of the first per, one of the first people to get it was the Arsenal manager, Mikel Arteta. Three Arsenal players tested positive last week. When you're vaccinated again, you will... It's going to be like the cold. You will get it again. Hopefully, please God, you won't get it bad. But you know, I think, 
I almost think we have to look at it in a different way because like Troy Beach replied to Claire saying Buffalo Cole Bleasley refused to get the vaccine so good chance he gets it but like you've seen guys like DeAndre Hopkins last week <laughs> that tweet disappeared very quickly Jeff it was dude, I don't know if you've seen the tweet that DeAndre I mean, Hopkins where he basically threatened to retire yeah, yeah. So I mean, it, it's not as if it's just Cole Beasley. There's loads of players I would say that feel like at the minute, and that's that's their own personal choice. And, and I'm not. Well, you know, it's interesting, even extended to college football, where Washington State's head coach Nick Rolovich has said, you know, he's refused to be vaccinated, and so hmm. the Pac-12, the conference that they play in, one of the major conferences in the United States, had their media event last week, and he was banned from going, and his stance on the vaccination is in direct opposition to what the president of the university has said the, the, the policy for the school is. So now there's speculation that Washington State could fire him with cause, and he makes about $3 million a year. So if they fire him with cause, he would not get his money when, upon being terminated. So this is, a, this is a big, big issue for a lot of people. We've got a question from Chris sorry Chris Slater in Nottingham you sort of answered this one already Jeff but maybe your opinions change over the last week which team is going from zero to hero maybe not necessarily winning the Super Bowl but maybe the most improved record this year well I you know I I think when you look at the teams that can make a quantum leap they make a big jump you know there's some teams that I think will definitely be better I think the Jets are going to be better I think 49ers if they're healthy they're going to certainly be better um you know, you, you look around, I think Arizona is a team that can be a very good team. You know, they've got to get a little bit of a killer instinct about them. Um, you know, it, it's, it's such a crazy thing, the National Football League. The Jacksonville Jaguars, why can't they be better? I mean, Atlanta, there's so many teams that have talent that just for whatever reason last year, injuries, COVID, whatever, couldn't put it together. I think it's fascinating every year you see somebody make that, you know, from worst to first jump. And, um, you know, Tampa, what goes from a, what, I don't know what they're seven and nine team mm. to Super Bowl champions. I mean, that's a pretty big jump right there. So it, it's out there. We just, we'll have to wait and see and injuries and all the other things that happen during the season are going to all play into it. I'll see what happens. Uh, a couple more before we get to our guest, Sean Freeman from England. Hi, coach. Can the Holmes win more rings than Brady? And will it ever be done? Can he win more rings than Brady? I, I'm going to tell you something. Tom Brady, what he has done has, is fascinating to me. I don't know if you guys saw the picture last week where he had all of his rings on. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was, un that's unbelievable. That's one guy in his career. I think Mahomes is a guy that if he can stay healthy and, you know, there's so much that goes into it. Can he keep the team together? Can he stay healthy? Do they have continuity in coaching? Do they have continuity in the offensive coordinator? Do they have, you know, is the organization going to stay together? Brady's thing was so incredible because New England just, there was, you know, they would lose players and change players, but the philosophy, the direction, the one voice, all of that, the Patriot way, never changed during his time there. And then he goes out and wins one in his first year in Tampa Bay. So I would say I doubt it, but if there's anybody that could be able to, I think it's Mahomes because I think Kansas City's got that kind of organization. The last question is from a guy in Coy Church in Wales, D. John Davies. 
which rookie receiver outside of Waddle, Chase, and Smith will make the biggest impact in their first year? What's your thoughts there? Oh, boy. Boy, that's, that's, that's a really tough one because who's going to get the most touches, right? Yeah. Know, last year when we were talking about rookies making an impact, I picked Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, right? And he started the, he started the year kind of off that way and, you know, had some really big games early in the year. Then he got nicked and then his touches started to go away. And as soon as his touches started to go away, Jefferson got hot and all of a sudden he becomes the rookie of the year. But, you know, there was no Stefan Diggs. There were, you know, it was an opportunity for him to get the ball. And, and obviously he did a great job. So which of these rookies will become, you know, that guy again? Oh, I really think it just depends on you know, what kind of touches they're going to get. There are some, there are guys in, in this rookie class that I think certainly have the ability, and you mentioned a few of them. Let's see what happens. Jeff, who's our guest this week? Our guest is a young guy that I recruited as a college coach, and um, he came to SMU. I left, then he left and went to Bowling Green, had a great career at Bowling Green, and then transferred to the University of Alabama for his last year. Was a starter at Alabama. Went to the Chiefs as a free agent, made it as a wide receiver. He's been with the Chiefs now for three years. Uh, he's very close friends with Patrick Mahomes. His name's Garrett Dieter. This is a huge camp for Garrett because this is the time when he needs to step and, and you know make a make a move. He's been on and off the roster, um, but you know when you look at that when you look at that Kansas City receiver depth. I mean, it, it, he's in a dogfight. He is really in a dogfight. So it's going to be interesting to talk to him. He called me today. He's in camp. Uh, you know, they're going through some administrative stuff today uh, and they'll be on the field tomorrow. The veterans will be on the field tomorrow. So obviously he's looking forward to being back on the field and fighting for a roster spot on that Kansas City roster. Hey, welcome back to Coffee with the Coach. It is with great pleasure that I get a chance to introduce to the tribe. Um, one of my favorite guys, and one of my favorite guys since he was a high school kid at Washington High School in South Bend, Indiana. Currently uh, on the roster of the Kansas City Chiefs. This is what, gee, your third year in Kansas City? No, believe it or not, this is number five, going into five. Oh my God, I didn't know it was five. That is amazing, yeah, it's, man. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's been quite the journey so far, so we're hoping to continue it. All right, now, before we talk about your Chiefs journey, I think it's yep. amazing, really, your high school football journey from Washington High School in South Bend, Indiana, uh, where you grew up. You come from a family of athletes. Your father was you know, one of the biggest New York Yankee fans I think I know in all of creation. And, <laughs> you know, your brother played quarterback at Indiana, and you came to SMU. I left. Then the following year, you left, went to Bowling Green, had a great career at Bowling Green, but had one year of eligibility left and really, yep. I won't say take did took a chance, but I mean, go to University of Alabama, which you did with one year left to play and with all the great players at Alabama, that was really, that was really a gutsy move. T talk to me about how that came to be. Yeah, um, it definitely was. It was kind of like a, 
feel like that situation was high risk, high reward for me. Um, obviously, if I would have put up more stats and obviously the offense wasn't really based on throwing the ball that much that year, but um, I felt like I could have got drafted at a, at a high spot. Obviously, I went undrafted, but um, looking back at it, if I would have stayed at Bowling Green and put up another big year, I probably would have got drafted. But um, my thing was I didn't want to go through a – um, my senior year with a brand new coaching staff that didn't really have much experience, um, just like as a staff together, a first year head coach and a lot of first year coaches in college. And I didn't kind of, I really didn't want to go through an experimental year. So um, I was looking to transfer, was trying to transfer to Syracuse with Dino, Dino Babers and yeah. our uh, athletic director from Bowling Green actually he didn't necessarily block it, but he said he would fight it if I ended up going there. So I didn't want to take that risk of kind of losing eligibility and getting stuck at a school that I want to be able to play at. So um, Bama, the connection there was, uh, believe it or not, Charlie Weiss Jr., who uh, mm -hmm. obviously Charlie Weiss was a coach of Notre Dame and him and my dad. My dad did security for Notre Dame uh, for a couple of years while he was there. And has somewhat of a relationship with Charlie. So um, I actually grew up when Charlie Jr. is my age. So we actually played flag football against each other. And he was down at Bama as a, like, I think just a, not a GA, but just like a student coach, like analyst type thing. And um, he actually brought my name up to them looking to transfer. And they had Richard Mullaney uh, the year before I got there, who kind of filled that role. and kind of presented to me like what kind of role I would be in if I went there. So um, seeing the, the uh, success that he had and winning a national championship and all the things that Bama brings, um, it was kind of a no brainer when they, when they offered me a scholarship. So um, things happen and it was great for me to kind of get that. It's almost like a minor league year. Like I get there and I mean, the, obviously the competition and resources is basically the same as the NFL. So uh, for me, it was a great year to kind of learn how things work with Coach Saban, how he runs things at a such a high level. Um, I think professionally, he does things that uh, a lot of NFL teams try to copy, and he takes a lot from the NFL. So it was a, I think, all in all, it was a, a great experience for me to kind of have that Bama name behind me as well. All right, now talk to me about Saban. Tell me about if, if you, if I, if I. If I asked you to describe him and his coaching style in two or three sentences, what, what would you say? Um, I think the, my favorite thing about Saban was how, like, everybody buys into his program. Um, you know, you get those the four or five-star guys that uh, you think coming out of high school have an ego, and a lot of them do, and they get to the – they get to Bama and they realize, like, they got to drop the, drop the ego and just learn how to work and – and fall, fall in line because you got four and five star guys ahead of you at every single position on the team. So I think his, just his leadership and how people buy into his program was to me the coolest thing about Coach Saban. I feel like that was a good proving ground for you. You, you mentioned that he called it a minor, you know, a minor league year for our, for a lot of our European listeners. What, what G's talking about is in, in professional baseball, for example, Typically, a player comes up through the minor leagues and to prepare him for the big league, the big league team. And, you know, 
I think that's a great way to describe Alabama because we've played there. Yep. And you look at the athletes that they have, the resources that they have, the, the coaching that they have. It is very, very close to an NFL situation. So when you came to the Chiefs, it wasn't that big jump. It, it would have been coming from a Bowling Green, let's say. Yeah, no, exactly. I think, I mean, if you even just going into practice, I remember my the summer there, we had like seven on seven and it'd be the the freshmen and newcomers with the ones on one field and then like the twos and threes on the other field. And I was rolling with just like the freshmen uh, to start, obviously a newcomer learning the offense and stuff. And uh, just the talent that you see with the young guys, it's, I mean, it's head and shoulders above almost every single Mac player. Obviously there's great Mac players, but um, at the end of the day, all the four and five star guys coming in are great athletes and you don't really see that at certain levels of college football. So for me, going there and kind of learning that I can't necessarily win on peer athleticism because almost every single one of those guys is more athletic, uh, more gifted than I am. So for me, it was a great, great learning experience that uh, you got to learn how to play football as a um, technique-wise, using your brain. And uh, obviously, you can't rely on straight athleticism. All right. Now, you don't get drafted. Yep. And there were more than the Chiefs that were interested in signing you, you know, as a priority free agent guy. Why Kansas City? Why did you make the decision to go to Kansas City? Um, just looking at the, the receiver rosters, my agent recommended the Chiefs more than any other team just because of the um i'd just say the inexperience at receiver um the whole i think everybody that when i got here was the previous year was their first year so uh, we had a lot of young guys and obviously a bunch of talented guys looking back at it now but um i think kansas city and obviously drafting patrick had something to do with it obviously you want to go somewhere where they're invested in a great player like him but um yeah, just looking back at it, the I think just the inexperience at receiver was something that caught my agent's eye, and for me that was that was something I was willing to go and and take a risk on. And um, looking back at it, obviously it's a great decision. I'm just going into year five, which is pretty crazy for any undrafted guy, especially in my position, who's not really played too often. But um, uh, yeah, it's just a a crazy situation and. I'm just going to keep working like uh, like I did my first year. All right. Now, had you known Pat at all prior to going to Kansas City? Because you guys have actually become very good friends, correct? Yeah, yeah. We were we were definitely really good. We didn't know each other at all um, coming out of school. And then, obviously, we kind of hit it off pretty quick once we got to here. We were uh, basically, I mean, at the time, like, obviously, like, summer and stuff are – significant others couldn't be here so we're spending a lot of time just getting to know each other hanging out we have pretty similar hobbies outside of football and uh really similar interests sport wise we love we both love every single sport so it was just something that we hit off right away and we became great friends and we're still great friends to the day but yeah it was uh it was a crazy situation because i mean you don't obviously i mean you know he's for first round pick for the team, but you don't know what he's going to end up being. And uh, for him to become the player he's become is, is pretty awesome to see. Now, can you hit a golf ball like he can? Cause I saw him <laughs> when he was over in Hawaii with, mm -hmm. with, with K 
Kelsey this spring, and he can yeah. eat that thing a mile. Yeah, both of I. A couple years ago, we we me and Pat played like four times a week during the summer, and um, obviously with the baby and all that, and wife now that doesn't really happen as often. So uh, <laughs> those guys, those guys love to get out there, and I definitely could never hit as far as both of them. But um, a couple of years ago, I was playing playing pretty good golf, but those guys can hit the ball like uh, like no other. So it's it's funny to see those guys uh, they compete in. I mean, we all compete in everything we do, and uh, yeah. But those two are—they can hit the ball a little bit, a little bit different wait, than most guys. Do the wagers start flowing when you guys are out there hitting eighteen? Uh, no, not really. Honestly, there's a lot of a lot of trash talk. Though. A lot of trash uh, talk, I bet. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard to. I can never really golf with Kelsey because he's so funny. Me and him kind of just go back, back and forth the whole time we're golfing. So it's uh. It's tough to golf with him, take it serious, because you hit one semi-bad shot, it's all over with, because they're just going to be in each other's heads the rest of the time. All right. Now, we have, as fans, and me as an analyst and our fans, have seen Patrick do some amazing things on the field. The no-look passes, the whole deal, right? You see him every day. You've caught balls from him for five years now. Is there anything that he's done that's – just jumps out in your mind and you say that 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 one time Pat did this and I it was like I still don't believe it. Um I mean I can't I can't really think of one exact thing, but I mean obviously he's done all the things that um everybody has seen. He's done all that stuff in practice, which is it's pretty crazy to see. I mean obviously like if you're running routes and stuff, you don't necessarily see it during I guess you don't see it live because you're trying to focus on what you're doing. But when you see the tape and stuff, you'll see him do like a crazy pass or um, off. I think his crazy, I think his craziest passes are when he's off balance, like rolling one way or the other and kind of throw across his body. Cause obviously as a quarterback, you're not, not really taught to do that. So seeing that type of thing and, and the passes work and be in the exact spot that it needs to be. Um, I think that's pretty, pretty crazy, but. I can't necessarily think of one thing that that sticks out, but he's uh he's pretty great at everything he does. So it's 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 fun to see. Bro, he some some of the stuff he does, and I, again, obviously his father was a pro baseball player, so he grew up yeah. dugout from dugout, and then, but some of the things he does reminds me of a like a shortstop charging a ball and throwing it to first base across his body on the run, just mm-hmm. like crazy, crazy athletic. Yeah, definitely. He's definitely got a lot of. Uh, I think he's definitely got a lot of baseball, uh, what's the word, mechanics, I guess. Yeah. I mean, he's, I mean, yeah, like exactly, like exactly you said, like he gets the ball the other way, like Derek Jeter can throw it across his body, jump in, do yeah. all that type of thing. So it's it's definitely, he's got a lot of baseball in him, which which makes sense for his uh, his background. What's Big Red say when he when he pulls one out like that? Is just does he shake his head or does he say Pat? You know, throwing one across the bot like you say some of it it like goes totally against the book because mm-hmm. you know you know you don't throw the ball across the field you know you know right. he can get away with it. What 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 does Big Red say when he does some of that stuff? Um, not I'm honestly not sure. Uh, him and him and Pat talk quite often and they're kind of. Coach Ray's always like 20 yards behind where the 
where the ball is. So um, we have to be on the sideline. So Pat's kind of the only one by him, but I would imagine he, uh, I would imagine he doesn't say much because it always it always seems to work. So uh, for him, it's kind of Pat. I mean, he he loves how Pat's uh, not afraid to take chances and not afraid to do things that are against the grain. Because I think that's what makes Coach Reed such a great coach is that he's always adjusting and he doesn't. He's always learning. He's always coaching guys to not necessarily do things exactly. Um, how you see it, like on a piece of paper, you got to be able to play football at the end of the day. And I think that's why Kelsey and Tyreek and those guys are so great. All right. Let's, let's take a little walk into the chiefs locker room and, and uh, give me, give, give us and our, you know, our fans, obviously you can't give away state secrets and I'm not asking you to, but just the atmosphere, you know, that the, the biggest word right now, G in sports and teams is culture. You know, they everybody's yeah about their culture their culture yep. describe uh, describe for us what that is in kansas city what is that chief's culture all about um i think at the at the end of the day culture Reed wants guys that people want to be around um you're not really there's not really too many guys um if any in, the, in our locker room that you wouldn't want to hang out around outside of football so um i think that's something that he prides himself on bringing in as guys that uh, people love to be around. People love to, to work with every single day and uh, even hang out outside of football. You see uh, most of our team uh, doing stuff in the off season together, uh, doing stuff in the season together um, outside of the, obviously outside of football. But um, yeah, I think at the end of the day, he just wants guys that people like people enjoy being around because at the end of the day, if, you don't like your teammate or you don't like your coworker, things are obviously not going to work out the way you want them to. So uh, for him, I think that's, to me, that's, that seems like one thing that he kind of, he likes a lot. Yeah. Now, obviously this is a big camp for you. You're five years into it and you're, you're playing at a position that probably has as much depth or maybe more depth than any other club in the national football league. Yeah. And, you know, obviously uh, your first night in camp tonight and you guys will be on the field tomorrow. How, what, what's the vibe like? I, I, cause to me, I don't know if this is different from the past, but I, I remember when you used to go to training camp and guys didn't see each other for like, you know, some, some guys didn't, didn't see each other at all in the off season. And it was almost like the first day of school when you're a kid, you know, like everybody yeah. was together and it's really a great, it was really a great experience. Is it still feel that way on the opening day of training camp? Uh, yeah. I mean, today was kind of that day where you see a lot of guys that you haven't seen since uh, the middle of June. So um, you kind of see bodies change somewhat. And um, <coughs> I mean, it's, it's always fun to see the guys that, you like, but they're got off season homes or they have something to do in the off season that they're not in, in town. I don't think I'm one of the few guys that actually stays in Kansas city in the off season. So I don't see a lot of the guys, but it's always great to see them. Like you said, it's, it's like the first day of school, seeing all your friends again and just catching up. Um, today is, is that day we didn't have any meetings or stuff. We just had to be here at a certain time and uh, sat at dinner with some of the guys and just, hung out, caught up, and um, now we're just kind of hanging out until tomorrow and we got a couple things. And, uh, yeah, but I like you said, your, for me. 
Go when's your first team? When's your first team meeting? Uh, tomorrow at I think around noon. We now, have, we so, have, yeah. This will be your fifth time that you sat in, and when Andy presents to his team for the first time. Yep. What's the What's the message been in the past, and what do you anticipate the message will be tomorrow? Oh, uh, he's got a new. I'd say new message every single year. He's kind of coach Reed runs off like a certain motto. So last year it was run it back the year before it was attack everything. So he's kind of got like a catchphrase and everything's based off that phrase. So he'll, uh, he'll throw that phrase out tomorrow and the whole, his whole message will be based on that. But uh, I mean, something that everybody knows with coach Reed that you're going to go into camp and you're going to work. Uh, he's one, I think one of the, the coaches in the NFL that uh, every single practice is a grind. Uh, he loves high reps, high intensity. So uh, for us that have been here a certain amount of years, we know what to expect when it comes to practice. We know it's going to be a grind. We know it's going to be hard, especially at the receiver position. Uh, I mean, there's, it's just, I mean, it's, it's a grind. That's all you can say is you got to, <laughs> make sure you're working out in the off season there. Most guys end up pulling a muscle or doing something wrong. So uh, for me, I, I know that and I come into camp ready to go uh, from day one. So I'm just ready to, ready to rock and ready to have some fun. You know, when you look at the league, right. And again, you know, Kansas city obviously had a great year last year. Guys got devastated with injuries on the offensive line. It was tough to protect Pat in the playoffs and, you know, it was obviously didn't end the way that you guys anticipated it would. You know, you've been Super Bowl champions the year before. Um, does are you hungrier now as a football team? You think than that because of that? Uh, yeah. I mean, obviously, that's a. I think everybody would say for sure. Um, but we have the same expectation every single year is to to not lose a game and and obviously win every single week. So for us, it's a Super Bowl or bust. I mean, we have the talent, we have the coaching staff and, um, you know, at the end of the day, it falls on, on the team and the players and the leaders to, to make sure everybody's doing the right thing day in and day out. And uh, when all those things happen and obviously injuries is a huge part of the game. And last year, it obviously devastated us on the offensive line, but um, you know, it's next man up mentality here. And, uh, I think Coach Reed does a great job of building depth, and I think that's something that they address in the offseason, especially on the offensive line, was uh, depth-wise, having having guys that have, I mean, four or five years of playing experience that could be potential backups this year. So it's 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 crazy to see the depth that we have at certain positions, and um, yeah, I mean, it's got to be teams got to be ready to work because it's definitely a grind once the uh, once practice starts. All right, now. I was at Kansas City in 2001 for training camp and we were in River Falls. And I remember we came back to play the Redskins in the first preseason game, G. Mm -hmm. And it's a preseason game. Yep. Now, you know, and the bus, we get on the bus from the hotel and we cut, we, <laughs> we drive to the stadium. And you know how you're there like five hours before the game on the bus. Yep. And there, the, parking lot was entirely full they were barbecuing this is a preseason game and when the when the jets fly over and they go and the home of the and the entire crowd goes jeez yep 
dude, I, I was like, you know, in Hawaii, we call it chicken skin moments where you like the hair on the back of your neck stands up. Yep. I, 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 what's it like in that place during playoff time? I mean, it's, it's I think it's obviously the, the coolest uh, atmosphere in the NFL. We have, I mean, it, it's obviously it's, you go to most stadiums, it's kind of quiet pregame or you don't see too many fans tailgating and stuff. But here you come here, it's, it looks like you're down in the SEC on a, on a big Saturday night game where two of the biggest teams are playing. It's like that every single Sunday or whatever day we play. And um, I think that's something that Coach Reed loves, obviously, and the players get juiced up for because we know we're going to have the support of the community here. And um, for us, we want to, to represent them as best as we can because we know how much they they love football and and they definitely show it uh week in and week out during the season and that's what's going to be fun about camp this year is being back in St. Joe with we're going to be able to have fans at practice again so we'll probably have at least I don't know probably five to 15,000 fans every single day and uh it just it makes practice a lot more fun when you have that energy buzzing around the the facility so it's uh it's awesome i mean these these fans they they truly care about the the chiefs and they truly care about the players all right now i always ask the guys that they come on uh to play a little just a couple uh word association things with me right so i'm going to give you a i'm going to give you a word a name something and you just tell me immediately what comes into your mind all right yep all right let's start with big red andy reed wise okay wise guy super wise tyreek hill elite athlete travis kelsey a smooth operator <laughs> all right this one's for michael okay so the denver broncos denver broncos Peyton Manning. <laughs> Our producer, Michael, is a huge Broncos fan. So I, any chance I get to bust his, bust his Broncos, <laughs> I'm going to do it. That's a cool place. Denver is, is pretty odd. We played there this year, and uh, they had the, the guys on practice squad, so I didn't play, but like they put us up in one of the, the cool, the nice suites, and it was obviously one of the uh, the nicer suites that we were in all year, so it was a it was a cool experience. We had snow, and uh, that city just seems awesome. Right now, is it still the is the like when I was when I was the, the first thing you learned when you went into Chiefs training camp was mm -hmm. you hate the Raiders. <laughs> yeah, it's like the Raiders and mm -hmm. the Chiefs was like a blood fest. It was right. Is it still that intense? Yeah, definitely. I think all the, I mean, our division's, I think, one of the better ones in the, in the NFL. So all of our games are always tough, it seems like. But um, I think there's definitely something to be said with the, the Chiefs and Raiders, the intensity. Um, and I think it definitely goes up. You see it. Uh, yeah, I would say Chiefs and Raiders is, is our biggest rivalry. Um, obviously, our division's super tough and uh, we're pretty big rivals with all those teams. But I think that that Chiefs Raiders rivalry is one of the better ones in the NFL because the Raiders fans hate the Chiefs and the Chiefs fans <laughs> don't really like the Raiders too much. D, 
Ricky, it has been absolute blast catching up with you. I appreciate you taking the time at training camp to come on with us. And obviously, uh, we all wish you extremely well in this your fifth year in the National Football League. Um, you, you know, you got a new baby coming, and you know, I think you, you know life's life's changed an awful lot since I used to come visit you at Washington High School. But I, you know, that's, I'm still really proud of you, man, and I love you. And and, and uh, again, best of luck. Uh, this season. Yes, sir. I appreciate you, coach. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Take care, my man. We'll see. Yes, sir.